Hi, welcome. Today we're having another interesting interview with an even more interesting entrepreneur, Deborah Driggs, who is an actress and model turned sales expert. Deborah has gone from Playboy, CoverGirl, and Centerfold to the top 5% in her profession nationwide. In addition to being an actress and model, she is a member of Tony Robbins Platinum Lions Partnership and has done some really great work with nonprofits and fundraisers such as the Redemption Project and Arizona Helping Hands, a provider of essentials for children in foster care. Deborah is going to share a couple of tips with you at the end of our podcast towards the end. One about how in sales, no may not always mean no. And one about how she achieved success and then completely lost it and had to rebuild and reinvent and completely start from scratch again. And so many of us have experienced that in one form or another. So she's going to have a couple tips for you. But first, I really want us to get to know you. This is Vicki Wu, and as always, we're talking about the best tips for marketing your small business. Be sure to subscribe to our channel to be notified of the latest updates. Welcome, Deborah. I'm so excited to have you here today. You've got a lot of interesting background, <laughs> but I can't wait for you to kind of share some insight on how you grew to the top 5% in your industry. So thank yeah. you for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And yeah, you know, it's like, you know, when you hear, hear your own bio, it's like, oh my God, did I do all that in 57 years? You know? <laughs> and so it's like, sometimes I'll come on shows and people will go, okay, go ahead, tell us your story. And I'm like, okay, we'd be here all day. I'm 57. I've had many ups and downs and twists and turns, and I've reinvented myself so many times that it's like, where do we start? You know, it's, it's not just a quick, oh, here's my story. And that's it. Right. So yeah, it's interesting. Um, but yeah, yeah, I did. I grew a business to be in the top 5% and happened overnight, you know, I just woke up one day and thought, Hey, I'm going to be the best at this. And it happened. And of course we all know that is not how it works. And, you know, it's a struggle, right? It's a total struggle. And especially for a girl like me that barely graduated high school and, and did go into the entertainment business and went into a, a completely different career from business. You know, I was selling myself and, you know, and then, you know, when I had to reinvent myself and go into the business world, now I'm selling a product and something else and they're completely different, you know? So it, it was definitely a challenge to have that distinction. I do like though that it brings home the point that even though I'm a huge fan of education, I went back and got my college degree when I was older, had kids, was working full-time, but yet it's not required to be successful. And so, you know, people kind of have to make their own success and you don't have to let something like barely finishing high school or not having your college degree or whatever it is hold you back. Oh, true. Oh my God. Yeah. It's amazing. Tell me about your business, what you do and why you started it beyond the obvious 
completely, you had to rebuild, you mentioned that, but why you chose this as the thing you were going to do. Yeah, so the business I'm in now, people ask me all the time, what do you do? And I say, well, I sell life insurance, but what do I really do? is I protect people from unexpected life events. I'm in the business of really providing a financial instrument that creates wealth and preserves wealth. And I use a tool called life insurance. Forbes magazine has called it the last best tax shelter left in America. I've had great success because of that, because of the clients that I'm surrounded with and the people that I know. And, you know, that's how I started my business really was one-on-one with just calling everybody I know. But then what happened was, is I got very fortunate and I was invited into family offices, different organizations. That's really how my business grew was being around more affluent people that really could use the benefits that life insurance has to offer just besides a term policy. One of the things I picked up on was that you knew that you weren't just selling, you know, life insurance. And I remember years ago talking to a friend of mine who had just started a job at a mobile phone company. This is many years ago. This is when mobile phones were a kind of new thing. So (laughs) it wasn't yesterday. Like the car phone. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> was like had the cord that <laughs> attached. She was concerned. She said, I don't understand. How can I sell air? You know, she's like, this is like mobile phone is airwaves. How do I sell air to people? And I said, oh, you're not selling air. You're selling safety. You're selling convenience. And once she reframed it, it made a lot more sense. So the fact that, you know, you know, you're not just selling this a piece of paper with an agreement on it. And let's face it, life insurance isn't really sexy. It's definitely not sexy. (laughs) And that's why there's so that's why it's kind of funny. You were sexy once. I was sexy once and now I'm still sexy, but a different sexy. (laughs) But I don't do, I don't, what I do is not sexy. You know, it's really, and it's really at at the end of the day, boring you know, thing that has to be done. You know, it's not like, hey, let's go and climb Mount Everest. This is like a financial instrument that really a lot of people try to avoid because nobody wants to think about, oh my God, what would happen if something happened to me? Or what would happen if something happened to my business partner? And that's the other thing, you know, it's like having key man insurance. There's nothing sexy about it at all, (laughs) but it's so important. It's so important because things do happen and we want to make sure that everyone around us is protected. We want to make sure that our business is protected. And we also want to have a vehicle to be able to pay the taxes when when something happens to the estate and and whatever. And so, yeah, I'm not in the business of just selling a life insurance policy. I'm in the business of adding value and protecting, protecting really my friends and my clients. You know, and I've had people say to me, I've heard stories that were just, in my opinion, so scary that I was like, oh, I have a solution for that because I've had it where two people go into business, something happens to one. And now all of a sudden you're in business with the family or you lose 50% of your revenue. And these are the things that people don't think about until it's already too late. And so I'm like, why wouldn't you just set up a key man policy that in the event something happens to one of you, you're protected and you don't go completely out of business, you know? So it's, you know, that's really what I do. I sell protection, that ease of mind 
which everybody's always looking for. You know, how can I make my life more simple? And I try to do it the most simple way possible because I know when people try to sell me things that are too much for me to understand, I, I just shut down, right? So we just try to keep it very simple. It's almost like with anything today, right? On social media or online, everything is just too much. And so you want to keep things very simple. And that's what I'm in the business. Keep it simple, add value, protection, safety, security. You know, those are the things that I think are most valuable right now to everybody, especially after this pandemic. <laughs> you know? Definitely. It's made a lot of people kind of rethink priorities. Absolutely. So, similar to me, anything like financial or accounting, those are things that people shy away from maybe investing, stock market, because you feel like if I don't know, I don't even know what to ask. And then of course, we always shy away from thinking about bad final things yeah. that could happen to someone, which may not even be death, accidents that make you not able to work or something like that. But it's so calming for your family not to have to think of that. And I look towards yeah. my mom who passed away younger than anyone was expecting, although she did have health issues that have been in a, the hospital for a while at that point, we, my sister and I, we were still young and weren't having, expecting to have to plan her funeral. She did not have life insurance. So we wow. were also, we're both young mothers with young children. We hadn't worked our way up the ladder, making more money at that point. And so we were at a really sad time looking at one, actually planning the funeral. And then two, how do we pay for the funeral without putting us and our family, our children in debt for the next decade? And luckily my grandmother, her mother stepped up and had the ability to pay for the funeral. But what it did at that time was spur my dad and my parents had been divorced forever since I was very small, but he saw kind of just the mental and emotional toll that just dealing with all of that took. And so the first thing he did, he already had the life insurance, but he went out and pre-planned his own funeral. Yeah. So it's about the people you leave behind, or in the case of a key man policy, a lot of businesses don't even think about that. Maybe you don't need it as much if you're a solo entrepreneur and you're not planning on leaving the business to anybody or whatever it may be. But as soon as you have a partnership or more people involved, that kind of becomes really important. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I think yeah. a lot of people who listen to our podcast, maybe they haven't even thought of that yet and they need to start, you know, kind of looking at that longevity and planning for the future. Absolutely. So, and so you would be my, you would be my perfect client because you experienced something that was hard. You had to figure out, you know, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to pay for all this? Mm -hmm. And so, because you went through that process, if I were to go to you and go, Hey, you know, you should take out a term policy in the event that something happens to you, you would actually be thinking about it because you'd be like, yeah, we went through that. You know, it's, right. and by the way, the people that I, that I have the most success with, they already have life insurance. Right. I just, I just audit and redo their life insurance. The people that believe in life insurance are, were my biggest clients, believe it or not. They just gave me the opportunity to do an audit and then redo their insurance. And that's where I started really building my business because I'm not captive. So some, a lot of people don't really understand this. So a lot of people work for a carrier. I work 
for the client. So I'm licensed with all the carriers. I get to do what's in the best interest of the client, not what's in the best interest of a company that I'm working for. And I think that's, that's what, yeah. I think that's what separated me from a typical life insurance agent because I'm not captive. And so I'm not trying to push a product on somebody. I'm saying, here are the choices here are the choices and here are the companies that I think have the best reputation. Here are the ones that we have. We like their underwriting versus this underwriting. And then, you know, that kind of separates what our little brokerage does because we're independent of that. And so we have the ability to do what's in the best interest of our clients. And that's what keeps us, you know, we're, we stand out because of that. And it's also important that life insurance, like so many things, your life changes over the years. And so you do need to kind of revisit what you have. Absolutely. So, and that's what's kept me in business, by the way. You just brought up a very good point. Well, because, that's what I was getting ready to ask is yes, kind of how you how grow your you? business and kept yes. in business. Because here's the deal that that's what I'm saying. I'm in a different, I'm in, so this is why people shy away from life insurance usually in, what I've heard and the feedback that I've gotten is because they're selling one product, they work for one company, they're, they make the sale, they're done, they're on to the next. That's not what I do. So we have a five-star service. So once you're our client, you're our client for life because what's happening is behind the scenes in our office, we're reviewing and evaluating things that are coming through all the time, different products that are coming through. And so let's just say one of the carriers says, you know what, I have a product that if the customer prepays it for five years with one premium, they have insurance now for five years and one premium pays for those five years. We, we go, well, we wanna tell our clients about that and they might wanna switch and, and get into that product as well. And so that's the difference is that our clients are constantly getting updates from us of what's going on because these products are changing all the time. In 2011, I had great success with one of the carriers because they mispriced a product. And then once they figured it out, because we, we saw it and we said, this can't be right. And it was, and they had, and it was kind of a similar thing where if you paid one premium, it prepaid the policy for five years where we were like, for our clients who are doing 10 million and over policies, they were like, yeah, well, we'll do that. One premium pays it for five years, we're in. And that's how I started. I had so much success that year because how could you not do it? It was, it was such a great thing. And of course, the minute they saw the mistake, <laughs> they, took <it laughs> off, they took it off the market, but I had already sold, sold it like crazy. I think that's the difference. And I, we're hands-on. We have somebody in our office that is constantly looking at products, constantly looking at what the market's doing. And, you know, that's, that's the different kind of service that you're going to get with me and what I do. So let's talk a little bit about, you obviously had a complete career shift and we're starting from scratch on this with zero clients to your name. So your marketing struggles at that time, what were they and kind of how did you overcome them? So what's really interesting in this, in this particular business that I, that I'm in is that the marketing really for us is referral. Uh, 80 to 90% of the business that I get is from people saying, oh, you need to do, do use Deborah. 
And so the, you know, our marketing is really not typical for a business. We're a small business. We have a reputation. We have 80% of the entertainment business. So people are, you know, and we're, I, we have a reputation of if you're having a hard time getting insurance because we have relationships with all the underwriters at all the different carriers that we have built that reputation. So people come saying, I have a situation that, you know, they tried to go a different route and then we usually end up with that case. So our marketing challenges really, that really hasn't been a struggle for this type of business. You know, I think, you know, it's, it's really, you know, our type of clientele is very affluent, wealth, wealthy individuals. And so they want, they, they know that they want to do business with us because of our relationships. Like I said, with all the carriers, a lot of people do premium financing. And so we have relationships with the top banks in the United States. Uh, we do a lot of premium financing through uh, Nor Northern Trust, which is one of the largest private banks. And so they, so because of that reputation, the marketing kind of speaks for itself. That's I know that awesome. doesn't, I know that doesn't help no, it, with what you do. <laughs> well, no, because what I do in cases like that is I might actually strategize with the client and figure yeah. out how do you get referrals? How do you keep top of mind of yeah. the people who, you know, they bought the five-year one time premium. And yep. so how do you keep top of their mind when other things come up? Word of mouth is 100% still the best marketing you can yeah. do ever. A lot of companies don't have that kind of built in to the extent that you do. Yeah. So it's great yeah. that, so it's that you're like, taking advantage of that. There's always ways to create a raving fan. You know, there's always ways to go a little bit, that little bit more, you know, Length. Like I got a call yesterday and I was in the middle of, I had a really busy day yesterday and I got a call from somebody who said, I need insurance. I need insurance. I need it right now. I stopped everything. I said, well, get on a zoom with me in one hour. Boom. You know, it's like you, you just go a little bit above and I could have said, oh, okay, well let's schedule something. And I could hear in the urgency in this person that no, 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 I need it now. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And, you know, we got on the call in an hour. I said, let me get my team together and we'll get on the call. And I said, look, I've got somebody that really needs this now can we make this happen they were like yeah let's do it one hour so you know you 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 feel that out you know i feel that out and those are the kind of calls i get you know i get like people like that that i get texts from people that i told 10 years ago that i was selling life insurance and they didn't want to do life insurance with me and that's when i started coming up with no means maybe because here's what happens maybe they don't want to do life insurance with me but 10 years later, they'll get this random text. Hey, Deb, are you still doing life insurance? And I'll say yes. And they'll say, oh my God, I have somebody I want to refer you to. And I'm like, you know, you never know. So no is never in sales. In no sales. Is, <laughs> no, yeah, because I'm a parent and it wouldn't really work too well if I, you know. <laughs> yeah, your kid, no uh, yeah. means maybe. No. no means maybe. You said maybe. Yeah, no, that doesn't work. But in sales, no means maybe. Because I've seen it now in the last 20 years of being in the business world that, oh my God, I've had the most random people show up in my life that I thought were not a fan of me or what I did and kind of did that at first. Like, oh, okay, they, they don't, they're not interested in me or what I do. 10 years later, I would get an email like, oh, I changed businesses. I'd love to tell you what I'm doing. I was like, okay. And then they were like, I'd like to get you involved. And I was thinking, 
oh, they just didn't like the product I was selling. And then my whole mindset started to shift. And I did, I wrote it down in big letters. No means maybe, because here's the deal. And I've had to switch hats, you know, many times along the way to get to where I am. And along the way, you, you build relationships, right? And you switch and I've had to reinvent. And along the way, some of those people that I kind of wrote off came back around. And then they were like, I remember you from when you were doing the procurement thing and, and you might be really good for this business. Would you be interested? You know, and all of a sudden I'm going, okay, not only is it no means maybe in sales, but it's no means maybe you never know who's going to come back and want to hire you because of the way you came across to them. So you just never know where the opportunities are. So I'm, I'm now always curious because I get, I get random emails. I get random texts and I'm like, Hmm, I wonder what this is about, you know? So it's, it, it becomes a fun spiritual game at this point. You know, it's like, okay, you know, what does this person want to offer me? What can I give to them? And, and I think that's what business is. It's just a spiritual game. It's similar to how I always tell people, don't stop marketing to them. Obviously, if they're on your email newsletter and they unsubscribe, okay, let them self-deselect. That's okay. But very similarly, back before I left my last corporate job and started doing this, I had helped a real estate broker in another state. He had some little thing that he needed done, kind of urgent. And for me, it was like literally a five-minute task. For him, it, you know, hour and a half, like if he was lucky. And I was like, hey, you know what? Shoot me the file over by email. I'll send it back to you. So he emailed it to me five minutes later, I sent it back and he stayed watching my, my social media. He eventually like did get on my email list when I started my own company, but I didn't really think much more about him. I see, you know, his posts now and then on social media, whatever. Four years after that first little five minute exchange, I get this email from him out of the blue. Hey, Vicki, I'm starting a new side business that yeah. he was growing into his primary business down the road. Yep. And he's like, I need a website and you're great. And can you help me? I didn't even know I was on your radar, like, you know, but four years later, he became a client. And then another client that has used me several times, she works for a mortgage company. So she doesn't need, you know, they've got their own internal yeah. marketing, but every now and then she needs something that they don't have and can't get to. I worked with her at my last corporate job and she's used me several times for these one-off projects that she has emails me today out of the blue, you know, Hey, are you still doing, you know, these smaller projects? And I'm like, anymore, not for everybody, but yes. And you know, for you, definitely. Yeah. And so here she is. I probably haven't talked with her directly in a year and, you know, she's got another project. So, yeah. And that, yeah, that's, these are perfect examples of how these opportunities they are there. They're just, they're, they're, they're around us all the time. And sometimes we're just not noticing them, but then sometimes randomly they just reappear and you're like, wow. You know, and so you just totally confirm what I what I was saying. It just comes right back to you. 
you know, and especially, you know, I think too, you know, like even, even if people weren't so nice to me or inviting as far as a meeting goes, or I still was like, okay, well, thanks. But if you change your mind, you know, and I was still like, so gung ho and, um, open, you know, I, I never went, oh, okay, well, whatever. You know, I still was like, kept it positive because I think if you keep putting the positive out there instead of, oh, that, that, you know, or whatever, or, oh my God, that person didn't respond. It was like, no, I was like, okay, next, but okay, I'll keep you on my radar. And it's funny because sometimes people would be like, no, I said no. And I'm like, I know, but things change. Like, I never know. And you you never know, like something could happen. So I'm just going to keep you on the radar. (laughs) You know, I've actually had, I've actually had a referral where he told people, just do your insurance with her because she's not going to leave you alone. You know, it's like, he's selling me. I didn't even have to say anything. And I just thought I laughed because I thought, oh my God, it, it was funny to me, but it was also like, what a compliment, like that he saw that it was funny too, you know? And so I, you know, and I got business like that, you know, just do it with her. Cause she's not gonna, she's not gonna go away, you know? So I think sometimes if you don't take yourself so seriously and you're fun and you're approachable and people know they can pick up the phone and call you. And that's the other thing I'm like, I'm always shocked when people are trying to sell me something, but they never pick up the phone. <laughs> it's like, pick up the phone, you know? Nowadays, people have gotten too used to texting and emails and, and all of that, but with sales- and shooting just, a DM. Yeah. yeah, it just doesn't work with sales. You really have to, like, I'm in front of my clients all the time where- meeting for coffee, we're meeting for lunch, we're meeting for drinks. It's like, I, I'm in the business of being with clients, being with people and networking and, and doing deals. It's can't do that through text. Of course, we've had to get kind of creative over the past year, keeping the connection, even if the connection isn't like, yeah, yeah, today I'm going to buy, you know? Yeah. The, this last year really was uh, put a little cork in our business for sure because our business is about people and being with people and not only that but then double whammy couldn't take our clients out couldn't take them for coffee and now the insurance companies got scared and didn't want to insure anybody 60 65 and over and that's a huge market for us so we definitely took a hit we all kind of learned to get creative, I think, in the past year and learn some maybe new ways to connect That's with a, people. <laughs> creative is the best word ever because I'll tell you what, it because it slowed me down and I was constantly, I mean, I had more coffee dates on my calendar before the pandemic. Like, I'll meet you for coffee. I'll meet you for coffee. I'll meet you for lunch, you know? And I had all that kind of stuff going on. And when that all shut down, especially because I'm in LA and even right now, things are just starting to come back. But yeah, it made me get creative and it really made me realize, okay, I need to take this time and create. And, and so that's when I decided to write a book and And because right before the pandemic, I started to speak a little bit. I was kind of dipping my toes into speaking about sales and no means maybe and how to reinvent and how to be resilient during times like 2008. And and then everything shut down. And so all the gigs that I had lined up, they were all canceled. (laughs) So I thought, okay, I'm going to write a book then. And so that was kind of what 2020 was about for me was just writing and and 
and getting in tune with what I saw my brand to be and what I wanted to do to move forward. Cause you know, I don't see myself selling life insurance forever. Um, and I, and I kind of, and now that my kids are grown and adults, I was like, okay, what is the next chapter of my life going to look like? You know, I've done this so many times that I'm like, okay, it's not that scary. Now I know that it can be done. So what do I want to do? And so that's kind of what I spent my time doing. So I love that you brought that up about being creative during a time that can be difficult, such a great time to innovate and, and get get you know within ourselves and figure out what's really going on and what do we see you know where do we see ourselves going and it's hard to answer those questions when we get in the hustle and bustle of everyday work and when that slowed down we had the opportunity to do that brilliant it was hard being quarantined during the pandemic but yet it was a blessing in disguise too because of that Ah. very specific reason yep So way back at the beginning of your first career, (laughs) so when you're model and actress, a lot of times, you know, there's kind of an expiration date on that. It's kind of like I relate it to sports where, you know, at some point you've got to have a plan B. So did you already know back then that you needed to have something for the future and what that would be, or was it kind of just whatever the universe brought you? (laughs) No, as a matter of fact, I was very unprepared. You know, one one of the things I believe the most today is that our spiritual and emotional growth doesn't happen during success. It happens during major failure, the major downtime, the major dark time. And I wasn't prepared for any of it. You know, I was always that girl that was like, yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. And I just kept going and going and going and going. And then, and then I got married and then I had kids and then I kept going and going and going and all of it fell apart. Not just my career, but my marriage fell apart, you know, and now I was living in a different state and raising three kids and didn't, didn't leave with an alimony plan. You know, I wasn't on the alimony plan. I, I, I had to work. And, and that was the first time in my life. And I was 40 when I got divorced and I, and it was like, what, what am I going to do? You know, I didn't know really, I didn't have any tools. And I, all I knew was the entertainment business and, 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 you know, I had, I had hustle in me, but I didn't really know what to do, but I lived in a town where the real estate was doing really well. And when, you know, these small towns, that's what everybody does. Everybody's in real estate in a small town. I lived in Park City, Utah, and I got my real estate license. And that was kind of my first intro into business and marketing, by the way, because I didn't know anything about marketing. And the person that I ended up working with, the team I was on, he was really into marketing. And so I was smart that I I was very street smart in the fact that I knew that I wasn't going to start my own business, didn't have the money to do it anyway. And so I thought, well, if I can't start my own business with this real estate license, what am I going to do? So I thought, well, I'll go work for the person who's doing the best and learn from them. So I interviewed with the three top people that I thought were doing the best. And, and one of the guys we met for breakfast and he said, well, what experience do you have? And I said, none. I said, I'm going to be very honest with you. I've never worked in an office. I don't even, I barely know how to send an email. 
like I don't know how to scan or fax or I don't know how to work in an office you know I don't know anything and he goes are you good with people I was like oh yeah I am and he said well I have 22 to 30 listings that I have to manage and I have to talk to these people every day and I'm burned out if you can take over managing these people and giving them the updates that would take 50% off my plate right there and so we spent the weekend I was like I already knew I had my gut immediately told me this is the person you need to work with and he's we spent the weekend we set up this great office space where he sat behind me I was in front of him he showed me how to do everything showed me where all the files showed me how to scan showed me how to like do all that show me how to market and copy and paste so that I could send our clients marketing updates. I mean, this all sounds really basic, but I didn't know how to do any of it. So when I tell you, like, it was like, for me, like, like learning Japanese, <laughs> it was that like foreign to me to work in an office. And so I got really good at what I did with him. And I learned about marketing for the first time. I was like, oh, I understand marketing. I get it. Like, oh my God, you know? And I realized that I really did have something to bring to the table. And so I did, I took really good care of his listings. I, I sat open houses. I learned how to interact with people. I learned how to describe a home that I'd never lived in. You know, it's like, these are all tools that you, I was like faking it till you make it type, type of a girl, you know, I was like, okay. And people just thought I knew what I was doing. They're like, oh, okay. And then they call me, can you list my house? I was like, sure. I don't know anything about listing houses. <laughs> But because I appeared to know what I was doing and because I was nice and because I was approachable and because I was taking extra time, now they want me to list their house. They're seeing how nicely I'm taking care of this home. Oh, I want you to list my house. And that's how I started building that business. I remember going back to the office and I'd forget how to use the, the scanner thing, you know, and I, and the girls were so sweet to me. And I go up to them, I go, oh my God, I forgot how to use that scanner thing. And they're like, come here. And they show me, I'm like, I don't know which buttons to push. And they're like, well, how do you do that thing? And anyway, and that became the joke in the office is that Deb's bringing in two, three listings a day, but can't work the scanner machine. So you see, even the office staff, they got it. Like they were like, she can't work the scanner, but the girl's bringing in business. She just listed a $2 million house. You know, it was like, that was kind of where my mindset was. It was like, I didn't let it get me down that I didn't know how to do this. I focused on what I could do. And that sometimes I think, you know, if you, if you focus, if you take that out of the equation, what you can't do and only focus on what you're really good at, that's what you get more of, you know? And so, so what, I can't work a scanning machine. So what, I, I'm not so great at writing really professional emails. You know, because I would get down on myself. Okay, what should I say? What should I say? And I'm like, who cares? You got the listing. Just be yourself. You know, and that's when I started to realize, okay, you know, just be me. Just be, be my authentic self. And people got it. They were like, you know, they didn't, weren't choosing me because I was an expert in real estate. They were choosing me because they knew they could trust me with their home, with something they value. And that I would show up and that I would do what I said I was going to do. There's a big difference with knowing all of this stuff and then doing what you do, right? It's like, you can know all this information, but if you're not executing over here, 
it doesn't matter how much you know, it's what you do. And so that's, those were some of my really big lessons. And then, you know, in 2008, the market took a crash. The first market to go was the market I was in, second home, luxury, mountain home in the mountain. Nobody's buying a second home in the mountains at this point. Everybody's trying to get rid of those homes. And, um, and so that was like a, a time, another time. Okay, now what am I going to do? You know, so I lost everything in 2008. My kids had to go live with their dad. I had to go live with my mom and I had to reinvent myself again. No money, no job. I'm 40 something years old. Well, can't use a scanner. <laughs> no, now I can. I can scan now. And I'm like, I, I have a, I, you know, now I'm like living with my mother in Ocala, Florida in a 15, 55 and over community. And I'm like, I know how to use a scanner. Like, let me get out my, my let me create a resume. Scanning skills got really good, you know? <laughs> so yeah, no, but you know, you know, it's like, you know, at, during the time, you know, whenever, whenever you go through such a difficult time, you, you're during that time, it seems like so heavy. It seems like it's never going to end. It seems like you're going to be in it forever. It seems like, oh my God, if this would happen, it would be so much better. And it's all of that really is not the truth because it, it does get better. And it just, it's where the mindset goes. It's where the energy goes. That's where you go, you know? And so hard lessons, but through all those hard lessons got me to my career in life insurance. And I was able to use all those things that I learned from all those different jobs that I had and really use them. All of a sudden now my toolbox had more tools in it. You know, now I have more tools and I'm like, oh, I know what to do in that situation. You know, I know what to do now in that situation. I know how to handle that call. I know how to be in this situation, you know, where, you know, in the, I had to learn all that from scratch. And so people were like, oh, it's been so easy for you because you know everybody. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no. right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's all you, it took. If yeah. You only, yeah. If you only knew, like when I was on my knees and crying and like, oh my God, like life is over and I'm in my forties and broke and no money. And, you know, you know, when you hit bottoms like that, that's when you grow. And so there's something to be grateful for in that. Not when you're in it, you're not grateful. You're like, get me out of this quick. But, you know, looking back now, I'm really grateful because I wouldn't have grown as much as I grew. There's no way. I would have just stayed like this. Everything's okay. And that's not life. You know, life is up and down and up and down for everybody. Even the most successful people, the people that I look up to that are mentors, you know, their growth came in their darkest times, you know, when they were like, enough is enough. This is not going to happen again. And now I'm going to do this. And that's why you have like, the, you know, these successful people that have very similar traits of how they do things, when they do them, how they do them. They're just, they're very similar. We, we have similar similarity, but we all do it a little differently, right? I always like thinking about how a diamond is created. You know, it's, yeah. it's coal that is put under pressure, immense pressure 
Yeah. And it comes out a diamond. But it's great that looking back at your agent that you decided to go with, he understood his own strengths and he was able to see your strengths in that one breakfast meeting. First of all, he asked you, (laughs) you know, he asked you what they were and picked you because you could fill that and you know he was probably capable of doing that but it's a spot that he didn't have time for so at that point he wasn't doing it and he could fill you for that and a lot of people when they hire when they first start bringing on a team they make the mistake of finding someone who's just like them rather than understanding their own strengths and what either they aren't good at or don't want to do or don't have time to do and then finding someone for that role so really great there and the other thing that kind of I thought of when you were discussing you know when you had to start over two two times at least was I think a lot of times we forget to have confidence in our own abilities and not even ability of the next job I go into, I know how to do that job, confidence in our own ability to figure it out. And sometimes being at the bottom or having nothing or starting from scratch, similar to when I resigned my corporate career, I I had no golden parachute type thing going on, you know. I had just gotten married, remarried, but my spouse isn't one who like is going to pay all my bills and stuff for me. We were going in, you know, 50-50. I had teenage kids when we got married, and so I'm like he's not responsible for my kids, you know, and he doesn't pay for my business. So I was facing, you know, having all those bills and everything with potentially zero income. I I just took a leap. I know I've got skills. I've got experience. I've got expertise. I've got all these things that I can turn into making money. And so I'm just going to leap and figure it out on the way down. They say an entrepreneur is the person who jumps off, you know, the the cliff and then builds their parachute on the way down. (laughs) So trying to remind yourself during those times when you have the fear that's normal but you also need to have confidence in your own ability just to do to do so I'm like worst case I have to go work part-time at 7-eleven and make enough money until my next client comes in I mean I'll, I'll do what I have to do it's okay but that confidence in your own ability gives you comfort. Well, just that statement, I'll do what I have to do is a leader statement, right? It's like, I'll do what I have to do. Yeah. And that is entrepreneurial leadership. It's like, I'll just do what I have to do. And that is the person that just stands up and says, okay, what needs to be done? Do we have to go work 7-Eleven for six months? Then that's what we do. And that's a leader. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and entrepreneurials, the entrepreneurial spirit is all about risk. It's all about risk. You know, and it's about saying yes, even if you don't know how. Exactly. I see so many entrepreneurs, and I work with, you know, some of them over the years as clients that they 
you know, in my case, maybe they don't want to do the marketing until it's exactly perfect. And they're waiting on the website until it's exactly perfect. And their branding, they don't want to start, you know, putting out information and their logo and stuff until it's all exactly perfect. And it's like, if you wait that long, especially in today's, you know, digital world, it won't ever be perfect because as soon as you get it to what's perfect in your mind, everything has changed. And now you've got to redo it. Sometimes, even if you don't know how to do something, you know, you don't know how to get your first listing, you know, somebody's like, can you list my house? You're like, sure. I don't know how, but yes, you have to kind of take that leap and be confident again in your ability to figure it out, to find the person that can help you figure out how to do it or whatever. And so absolutely. Sometimes you got to have enough confidence to say yes, even if you don't know how yet. Totally. hundred percent. So before you started being an entrepreneur, and I guess, you know, modeling is a little bit entrepreneurish also, Very much modeling so, and yeah. acting, but before you became an entrepreneur, what's something that you wish someone had told you about having your own business? Oh, that's a great question. I, you know, I wish somebody would have told me when I was young, when I was really young that you can do anything you want. You can be the boss. You can, you can have your own company and hire employees, you know, because I grew up in an environment where everybody worked for somebody else. I didn't know any entrepreneurs. I wasn't around people that were entrepreneurs. I just always looked at everybody as a career person that went to work from nine to five and, oh my God, it's Friday. And then, oh my God, it's Monday. And, you know, and I, that's the environment I grew up where entrepreneurs, they work every day, you know, and they, if they don't want to work on Tuesday, they don't want. So I wish somebody would have sat me down when I was younger and said, no, you don't have to do that. You can do whatever you want. You can start your own company. You can have your own employees. You can be the boss, you know, and that that's, I wish somebody would have told me that very early on. Cause you know, I didn't know anything about it till, till really in my forties. I mean, I, I, was, I was around it a little bit more in my 20s, you know, in the entertainment world. Obviously, I knew, you know, there were a lot of entrepreneurs around me and at that time, but still wasn't really aware of, of the concept. And, and so that would have been a really cool, a cool thing to know at a young age. And these kids today, they know, they know that they can do whatever they want. The, the opportunities are endless. You know, there's so much abundance. There's so much opportunity. And I think it's so cool. And I love that I get to be a part of that now. Yeah, I just, you know, yeah, that would have been a good, good thing to know. And, a, and it would have been good to have mentors like that at a young age. One of the things I wanted to do growing up through high school, perhaps, was be an artist. So this wall next to me all the way up to the ceiling has just random art that I've painted in the past year or so. And I'm actually running out of space. But in high school, I thought, I don't want to be a starving artist. There's a reason that the phrase starving artist exists. <laughs> and it's because so many artists can't support themselves and make a living doing it. But I also didn't have anybody that stepped in to say, and I went to like, the high school guidance counselor and, you know, kind of had a little bit of that conversation, but nobody ever stepped in and said, 
you don't have to be a starving artist because it's a business person. And if you look at it from a business and kind of redirect my thinking on it a little bit, because now I would have no hesitation, although, I mean, I love marketing, but I love painting too. And I would have no hesitation just becoming an artist and yeah. feeling confident that I could make a living off of it. You kind of don't know what you don't know. And had anyone kind of told me that, then I, I wouldn't be in marketing today. I'd be an artist because that was my initial kind of path I was on. Although I still use I just, think it's funny that, I just think it's funny how we grow up with these things, right? We grow up with these things like you'll be a starving artist. Well, who wants to be a starving artist? What if they said you're going to be a starving marketer? Right. That could happen. What if you're going to be a starving life insurance agent? You're going to be starving in that real estate business. What if the real estate market crashes? You're going to be a starving realtor. You know, it's like the words that we use have such an impact on, on what we choose to do or be in life so crazy, you know? And so I love that you use that example because that really is what stops a lot of people in their tracks, you know? And the words we use with our kids. I I had no desire. I mean, okay, I don't need to be a multimillionaire. I mean, sure. I'm, that's one of my goals to to give (laughs) back. My thing is, you know, (laughs) take care of my family, give back, but it's not, I don't have to do that to be able to live. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm sure not going to be starving. So I had greater ambitions than being starving. And yeah, it's just, it was sad that had it just been redirected slightly, it would have, we'd be having a much different conversation. I might not even have a podcast. Who knows? (laughs) Can I, I mean, I could be on a boat somewhere ironing sheets, you know, (laughs) which I've done. I've I've done that job. I've worked on a boat and clean toilets and iron sheets. And so, you know, that's, that's how things could be. And so you, you do know, what you got to do. You do what you got to do. Yep. You do what you got to do. And that's, that's it. And hopefully you're doing what you love and, and what gets you out of bed every morning, because that's, you know, as we get older, it's like, I always, you know, it's so funny to me because I'm 57. I'm super proud of the fact that I'm 57 and I still keep trying to reinvent. And you look no, great I, for 57. You, by the, I mean, you. wait, thank let me, you. you don't need that qualifier on it. You look great. Well, I will tell you that you know this as well as I know this is that the whole purpose as we get to these ages like now I feel like I'm in the second chapter of my life and I need that purpose to get out of bed you know I need something that gets me up and I get excited about still Mm -hmm. I still want to learn I still want to grow I still want to understand more things that are going on in the world it never ends and I'm always surprised when I see people who are like, oh, when I'm 65, I'm going to retire. And I'm thinking, you know, that's very close to my age now. And I'm like, I can't even imagine it. Like, retire to do what? <laughs> I know. I think about that. I'm like, yeah. oh, if I retired, you know, in the, in the sense of you're no longer working, which is, yeah. you know, what most people, I'm like, I would be bored out of my mind. I mean, I would still, if I did nothing else, I'd still be painting. I'd still be dancing. I'd still be, I'd probably still be strategizing with people about their marketing. Why not? You can do all these things now. Like I still do things now that I did when I was younger. You know what I mean? Like you still, you don't have to give up anything. It's, it's interesting. And, and and I'm, it's, I'm working with somebody right now because I have a, a shoulder injury and I want to get back on my bike. And he's like, well, we got to get your shoulder better. And I said, yeah, but I think I'm too old for that sport. I love to mountain bike. 
And he's like, no, 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 no. We're going to get you back on the bike. And I was like, oh, you're right. That's an old story. Like what? I could be on my bike when I'm 60. Who cares? You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like, that's the, that's the same thing as that's a starving artist business. You know, (laughs) it's like, it's it's the words raise it, which is marketing. (laughs) It's all how you frame it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. You could be an artist and serve and do amazing stuff. But I'm not going to just sit around the house all day because that is not me. Yeah. Well, we mentioned that you were going to have one or two tips for the audience and you've touched upon pretty much. I think I've touched on it. Yeah. Yeah. Any last pieces of advice related to those two things? I would say, you know, the biggest advice that I tell everybody, doesn't matter what age you are, is to write everything down. Make sure you always have a yellow pad or a journal or a book and write everything down, you know, and then look back at it, you know, and I do that kind of on a six month to a year basis, because it's interesting to see where you progress, where you, where you said you were going to do something and where you don't. And you keep track of that. I keep track of everything. If I have meetings when I'm on zoom, I'm writing notes and keeping track because it helps me refresh my memory when I go back to the second meeting or I want to refer somebody. I go, oh, wait a minute. I have somebody I can refer you to. I just had a meeting with them. Then I can just go through my notes. So write everything down. It's so important. And it's going to, you know, and especially I'll tell you where it really, I was so thankful that I had written a lot of things down is when I started to write my book last year. And I was like, oh, thank God I wrote that down, you know? And because it's really hard, you know, when, especially like I said, I'm 57 and I'm trying to remember all these events that happened in my twenties and thirties. And it's really hard to keep track of things when you get older. And so if you have little, and it doesn't have to be a full on journal, like, you know, where you write every detail, but keep, keep a timeline, you know, and write it down. Super important. Best advice I could give anybody. Good tip. I tend to do that as well. I know a lot of kind of younger generations, it's all, all digital, but they've actually yeah. done studies that the act of writing the letter, when you're doing a keyboard or even worse on a mobile phone and you're texting or just talking to it, your hands don't make as different of gestures as when yes. you're actually writing. And no. that act of forming the letter with your hand helps you remember better also. Absolutely. So that's why I say, write it it down, down. not type it, not text it, but write everything down. Right. And and I have the worst writing. So, you know, like, (laughs) like, so, but I always have notes in front of me and I, you know, it's like, I'm always looking, oh, I better write that down. And, And, you know, and I'm not super organized with my writing, but at least I write it down. There's something to that exercise, like you said, that you retain it more. So, Definitely. so yeah. yeah, that is big tip. And then, you know, try to um, have a routine that you stick to, you know, it's hard, you know, with people with travel and stuff like that, but if you have a pretty good routine and that you write down, so, you know, when, it, when you write it down, it's a reality, you know, so I'm kind of old school and I keep an, I keep a, an old school day planner <laughs> Because I have to see visually, that's just how I work. I'm visual. I have to see visually my week. And I also have to write it down because when it's written, it's done. It's like, 
Oh, 7.30 workout. I wrote it down. Let's go. You got to do it. There's no, you don't negotiate it. You already wrote it down. It's done. So write everything down. Keep a schedule. I need three square meals a day, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So in a moment, I want you to share with the audience how they can get in touch with you, especially if they need life insurance or Ah. key employee insurance. But before we go, I want to see if you have any question for me that I can help you out in some way or another. Yeah, I was going to ask you in today's fast moving, the pace that we live in today is very fast paced and everything seems to be switching online to social media. How are you finding that that affects your business with with marketing and social media? One of the big things, and I have, I'm an early adopter of all of these platforms because I feel like I need to test them for my clients or for, you know, use in the workplace when I was employed by others. And so, you know, I've been on Facebook. My first Facebook account was actually 2005, which is the year they started. The next year, I no longer had my .edu email because I was done with school. So at some point I lost that, which also meant I lost my account. But in 2006, they opened it up where more people, you didn't have to be connected to a college. And so I've been on Facebook since then. I've been on Twitter, some of the other ones, basically since the beginning, because I knew that I would need to be testing them for marketing purposes. I think that A lot of people forget that the social platforms are meant to be social, each in their own different method, and the audience is slightly different on each. Yeah. But I also always recommend that people get their prospects and clients off social media. It's a great place to connect to the people and build some of those relationships in an online matter, but it's also owned by a third party and you don't have control over any third party platform. So the big mistake that a lot of businesses and entrepreneurs especially get into is relying on those platforms too much. I had one client, you know, came to me before they were a client and they sold, their business was all on Etsy and Etsy is a third-party platform. They own your hosting and they own the software your website is built on and they own it all. She had an interesting thing. She had like a, she was doing pretty decent. She was six figures a year on Etsy selling her handmade. I don't even remember what she made. This has been a couple years back, but she had gone on vacation and had used the, you know, the Wi-Fi at that place. It was an Airbnb. So you know, a lot of different people had been using it for longer term, kind of maybe month long rentals and stuff. She goes there, she does her Etsy stuff, you know, updating her product or whatever. And Etsy shuts her account down and she, she's freaking out. Obviously your six figure income just went by and all of her, you know, all the client information, all of the orders in process, everything was there. She had not backed any of it up elsewhere or printed it or anything. And, you know, she messages Etsy and she's like uh, appealing. Okay. You know, uh, this shouldn't have happened. Why? And what it boiled down to was that she used the same IP address, 
which is the Wi-Fi she was on, that someone else had used who had had an Etsy account shut down because of something, you know, questionable or bad or, you know, violation of policies, whatever. And since she used the same IP address, they looked at it that she was somehow related to that other Etsy store. And so they shut her down and she lost her entire business overnight. Wow. So, you know, we helped her rebuild a website that she owned that, you know, she bought the hosting and put it on WordPress, which is free software, but it took her months to start getting clients again, because all of that was gone. And other horror stories of, you know, people's primary marketing platform being through Facebook, and then something happens and Facebook shuts their access to their page. All of that is the drawback and people fall too easily into thinking, oh, you know, um, Clubhouse is the latest new thing. And so I'm going to put all my eggs into the Clubhouse basket. But what if it tanks and next month they close? Then what do you do? So I love it for the possibilities to connect with people. I love it for the data that most of them give you about who your clients are and what time they're on and which of the things, messages that you're putting out are getting good engagement and good traction because that can give you some great information, but I never rely that people, I I never recommend that people really rely on it as heavily as it's easy to just fall back into and doing. It's great suggestions. Great suggestions. Yeah. So use it, but it should not be your plan A. Okay. You always want to get them. People reach me at Instagram. (laughs) So yes, let's share how people can reach you and follow you. And- I'm joking, but actually I'm, my journey is going to be on Instagram. So if they want to follow the journey that I'm doing right now, as far as my book launch and all of that, I'm going to have my own website. My website is going to be posted on Instagram at Deborah Driggs. So, and so the link to my website will be there. Okay, Great. Well, Deborah, it has been a pleasure having you Thank on you. the show today. Thank and you. we have not yet had a former <sighs> model actress and playmate on the podcast. <laughs> well, it's an unusual. So ex- <laughs> yeah. Marketing playboy. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, it, it, all, all, it all works. It makes sense. It all works. Yeah. But well, thank you so much. I really. love hearing about your journey and especially the multiple times, you know, that you've kind of needed to pivot and reset it. It scares people, but I hope that they've learned nothing. If nothing else, you've shared so many great things, but if nothing else, they've learned that it's okay when you kind of have to start over from scratch and the importance of life insurance Yes, and insurance related to that for your business. So I hope people will reach out to you if they suddenly realize the need for that and connect with you. We, We will put your contact information in the description, wherever anyone is watching or listening Perfect. to this, they'll be able to connect with you that way as well. Excellent. So thanks. Thank thanks you again. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity.